Raised as an oversized elf, Buddy travels from the North Pole to New York City to meet his biological father, who doesn't know he exists and is in desperate need of some Christmas spirit. On this episode of Still Holds Up, we're talking about one of the best Christmas movies of all time, Elf. Let's get into it. Oh, hello. You're, uh, you're probably here about the, uh, the story. Elves love to tell stories. But you didn't know that about elves. There's a, probably a lot of things you, you didn't know about elves. Another, another interesting uh, elf-ism. Uh, there are only three jobs available to an elf. The first is making shoes at night while, you know, while the old, the old cobbler sleeps. Lazy bum. Couldn't even make a clock. You can bake cookies in a tree. Hey. As you can imagine, it's uh, dangerous having an oven in an oak tree during the dry season. I want to make shoes. But the third job, some call it the, the, the show or, or the, the big dance. It's the profession that every elf aspires to, and that is to build toys in Santa's workshop. Max, tis the holiday season. It How is. are you doing? I'm uh, doing great. Favorite time of the year. Yeah. I think it's got to be the majority of people's favorite yeah. time of the year. It's got to be. All right. We are talking about Elf. Let me tell you right now, this is my wife's favorite movie. This is uh, when December comes around. This is probably the first holiday movie that we play. Yeah. Um, it's become an, uh, a classic in my household as well. Actually, last year was the first year I watched it with my daughter. Really? So, yeah. So, and of course, planning to watch it again, um, it, it's going to become, uh, it is going to be a family tradition. Yeah. The innocence that Will Ferrell brings to this movie, um, yeah. I, it's it's just an instant classic. I mean, I can't say it's an instant classic because I'm not sure if I felt that way in the beginning. And we'll talk about some of the reviews. But it's definitely become a classic, I think, for a lot of people. And I do believe it's it's really all because of Will Ferrell and his take on how to play an adult elf. The direction that John Favreau kind of takes that from the very beginning when they're actually at the North Pole and yeah. the decisions that he makes to do stop motion, to give it that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Jack Frost kind of feel. A lot of nostalgia in that. Yep. Especially for people our age. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, it's directed by John Favreau, uh, written by David Burnham-Bam, uh, starring Will Ferrell, James Caan, Zoe Deschanel. Ed Asner, Asner, uh, Bob Newhart, and then Mary Steinbergen. I mean, that's a great ensemble of actors right there. You have a couple of living legends. Um, I know James Caan passed away, but at the time, those are living legends, obviously. Yep. And then you had a, a, a is Bob Bob Newhart still around, right? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. I know Ed Ed Asner passed away. Yeah. Um, but then you have up and coming Will Ferrell. We have Zoe Deschanel before New Girl. She was kind of she did a couple of indie stuff, but never yeah. was. It, it wasn't at the time anything you know huge. Obviously, nothing super special. Yet. Yeah. And then Mary Steinbergen, she's like an actor's actor. Like you know, she's just great in everything she kind of does. Obviously, Back to yeah. the Future Three, and you know, a yeah. couple other great classics in there. So yeah. Yeah, she's kind of like, I think she's kind of a Hollywood royalty now. Yeah, yeah. The movie takes place in New York City. It's filmed in New York City, um, some parts in Vancouver. Uh, let's see. Let's go for the reviews really fast. So uh, Ebert, he gave this one three out of four stars. So he actually mm, liked it. Pretty it's good. It's kind of uh, surprising considering the other ones that we've done uh, <laughs> and looked at his reviews. I thought everything he does was two stars. <laughs> yeah, it seemed that way. Uh, he says it's one of those rare Christmas comedies that has a heart and a brain and a wicked sense of humor. And it charms the socks right off the mantelpiece. Honestly, I think that is a perfect description of Elf. Because yeah. it has a lot of heart, great humor, and it's it's uh, it's adult humor, but you can have a kid in the room. Because oh, the absolutely. movie was PG. It, yeah. It's nothing raunchy or anything too over the top, no. but it's just clean, good fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rolling Stones gave this film a two out of four stars. See, I think, looking at this review, he's fresh off of old school. Yeah. Will Ferrell. You know, drinking. We're going streaking. Come on, Snoop, Snoop, Doop, grab your hat. 
this is what he says. Farrell makes the damn thing work. Even though he can't get naked or use naughty words, there's a devil of a comedy in Farrell, and he lets it out to play. Director John Favreau has the good sense to just stand out of his way. Yeah. Um, who thought Frank the Tank could do, like, clean oh comedy, uh, in essence, yeah. right? A little bit of Bed Bath Beyond, Home Depot. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time. <laughs> now then, Hollywood Reporter gave this film a positive review, saying, while Word's instant holiday classic might be pushing it, Elf is, at the very least, a breezily, entertaining, perfectly cast family treat. And yes, I do believe so. It Probably been- at the time, no one thought it was going to be you know, instant holiday classic, but isn't that how cult classics work? At the time yeah. they come out, they, you know, nobody sees them as anything special, but then right. they, they, they get better over time. Right. right. So the movie came out November 7th, 2003. It uh, grossed 176 million on a budget of 47 million. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, grossed 176 million in the United States, 47 million in other territories with a worldwide total of $220 million. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Uh, the budget was $33 million. So with inflation, um, that would have been a $47 million budget, and it would have grossed $317 Not bad million. at all. Yeah, for a holiday movie, comes out in November, yeah. that's not bad at all. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah, filmed opened up at number two, uh, right behind The Matrix. So, you know, and I guarantee you The Matrix was the number one movie at that time, Matrix Revolutions. Uh, let's see, so it debuted uh, $31.1 million. Uh, other movies that were out at around that time was Master and Commander, um, Brother Bear, and Love Actually. All right, let's get into some fun facts. Film makes heavy use of the forced perspective to exaggerate the size of Buddy compared to all the other elves. Stop motion animation was employed for certain sequences. CGI usage was kept to a minimum due to Favreau's own preference, something that he would later note he had to fight very, very hard for. And that's a good thing that he did fight for that yeah. because... Seeing the North Pole that way sets the tone of that movie and that innocence and that childhood yeah. charm. Yeah. No, he did a great job with the stop motion animation. I mean, like I said before, it's instant nostalgia. It brings you to a place it's um, of your childhood and those, like you said, the Rudolph Reindeer, yeah. R- Rudolph yeah. the Red Doors Reindeer and the Jack Frost. Um, I'm surprised he had such a... a, a big thing against CGI because he ended up using a lot of CGI in um, The Lion King. But... I different know, time. Yeah, different times. and Technology, well, I, don't, I guarantee technology wasn't there. No, and then to make it, it right, right. Yeah, and then if they wanted to make it look that good, the budget probably would have ballooned to double if they wanted to have some good-looking CGI back then. Yeah, and, and honestly, that forced perspective, uh, I mean, especially in the beginning, those scenes with the, the elves and him are, are, are just great. Yeah. I love that black-and-white image of him, like, dominating on the basketball court. Yeah. They, 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 it was shot so well, um, even on the still images. So There's some behind-the-scenes footage that you can see how they did it, and it's it's pretty awesome. They bring in, like, a kid with, like, little legs and stuff like that, and they'll take <laughs> Bob Newhart, and yeah. they'll have him sitting, like, way back behind him. Yeah. They'll have Will Ferrell just kind of sitting on the, on the little kid's leg, so it just like gives that whole oh my goodness. that illusion that he's way bigger than Bob Newhart. It's it's really good. Um, let's see. So Zoe Deschanel, there was no singing in the script for her. Favreau found out that she was a singer, um, so he decided to like throw some parts in there for her. When Buddy starts singing in the middle of the Santa Land at Gimbel's, the lyrics were not scripted, and Will Ferrell improvised the song on spot. Oh, I mean that's. That's Will Ferrell's thing. That's a that's an SNL trait. A SNL right there. trait. You got to be able to move quickly. Yep. Um, there's a Broadway musical based on the film. It ran during uh, 2010 Christmas season. Uh, let's see what else. There's Elf, uh, Buddy's musical Christmas. It's an hour long stop motion animation, which I did not know that existed. Yeah, I didn't know either. But I'm definitely gonna go look it up. I want to check it out. Yeah, it's got to be pretty good. Uh, there's a video game that came out in 2004 on the Game Boy Advance. I don't know. I had no idea that was existed. Yeah. I feel like that can't be good, but who knows? Uh, Let's see. So this is interesting. So towards the beginning of the movie, when Will Ferrell is making his journey from the North Pole to New York City, he's got to walk through the Lincoln Tunnel. And then, so apparently while he's making that walk through the Lincoln Tunnel, there's a lot of, you know, drivers (laughs) that were shocked that there was a guy dressed as an elf walking through there. So it caused a decent amount of fender benders. Just what that tunnel needs. (laughs) <laughs> More accidents. Perfect. Uh, let's see. So the scene when Buddy eats the different candies and pastries with the spaghetti noodles, uh, it had to be shot twice because the first time 
Guess what? It made him vomit. Who would? That stuff was it's totally gross. Director John Favreau used remote control trigger you know, on the Jack in the Box. So the scene when uh, Will Ferrell is testing the Jack yeah. in the Boxes and then the one that doesn't go off when it's supposed to, so he's going to write, this one's broken. Favreau had a remote control. So that's a genuine scared look from uh, Farrell when it actually pops up in his face. I, I'm still stunned today that kids used to like Jack in the Boxes. I mean, that's just not my thing. Um, I, I don't even like clowns. Really? I'm actually afraid of clowns, bro. That's a real thing? That's a real thing. Since I was young. Wow. Like, when I watch it, it's like, it's, yeah, I'm jumping. It's pretty sad. Okay, so <laughs> cotton balls. So when Buddy's eating the cotton balls, it's actually um, dyed cotton candy. Will Ferrell suffered from a bunch of headaches because during the movie, he just ate way too much sugar. Yeah, that's pretty much it, at least for at least for now. There's some more stuff I'm going to throw in at the end. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about possible sequels and stuff like that. So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's see if the trailer still holds up. What do you think? Yeah, let's go. Yep, here we go. No human being has ever set foot in Santa's workshop. Uh, that is until Buddy. I hear you're going on a journey to the big city. Can't wait to see my dad. This might be the opportunity to find out who you really are. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. Papa says New York is pretty different. Sorry! Oh. Looks like a Christmas tree. Sorry I can't ride with you the rest of the way up. Well, have a good time. Oh, I forgot to give you a hug! Dad! You look like you came from the North Pole. That's exactly where I came from. You have another son. You like sugar, huh? Is there sugar and syrup? Yes. Then yes. We can't leave him alone. He's going to destroy the place. Son of a nutcracker. These guys are bad news. Snowball. Where did you say you were from? Mm. Fruit spray? Wow. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! <laughs> Santa here? I know him. Okay. I know him. So good. That trailer's so good. And that trailer shows a lot. Yeah, it does. But, but what's so good about this movie is, and it's very hard to say this about any movie, there's not really any filler scenes. Like, no. I, if we could actually sit here, because we're about to go into, the, like, you know, our top memorable moments in this movie, I would pick the entire movie. <laughs> I'm not even joking, because every single scene is relevant. Every single scene has charm. Every single scene just yeah. it, it adds something to the table. Yeah, when, when, when I watched that trailer first time... Like, in the beginning portion, I'm like, what kind of stoner, trippy movie is this about to be? Right. But then as the trailer moves on and develops, you realize, oh, there's there's actually a solid story here, a lot of humor, and, and the movie develops that way, too. So, um, yeah, I solid bet you, trailer. And I bet you a lot of people felt that same way when yeah. they saw it for the first time. Because, yeah. you know, same thing, Will Ferrell was hot off of old school. He did do the, what's the movie with their, what is love? Oh, the Baby, night at the Roxbury. Yeah, he did that too. Oh man! Real quick, um, before Elf, The Guardian, Old School, Oh Boat Trip, nothing really. Oh Zoolander, Zoolander. I love Zoolander. Oh man, he's oh, so Mugatu. good in Zoolander too. I love that. Oh yeah, you know, like if you saw if you saw his character in Zoolander, you saw him in uh, Old School, and you saw him in uh, Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, you would not think that this. You would think that this movie coming out would be kind of something similar, where it's like a total goofball movie. There's going to be some, you know, inappropriate things for children. Yeah. And this movie is not that. This movie's perfect for you, kids. You know what? I just, just looking this up, I can't believe a total miss on this. I, I forgot he was in Austin Powers. Oh, my God. He Did you not, remember that? Yeah. He's the guy who keeps, like, he dies. Yeah, and then, Mustafa. Like, Mustafa. He's in, like, I'm in a lot of pain here. Yeah, like, I totally, okay. like, totally forgot about that. Can someone help me? Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he dies, um, I think both movies, doesn't he? He's in Austin yeah, 1 and both. 2. I don't yeah. think he's in the third one, but yeah. No, but he's in there. Oh, his character's great, too. But definitely the work after Elf 
is what's made him, you know, yeah, who yeah. he is, right? Yeah. We're talking about Anchorman, Wedding Crashers, <laughs> yeah, Talladega Nights, Mom, one of my favorites. The meatloaf. Yeah. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what she's doing. Yeah. All right. And Step Brothers. So. Yeah, yeah, Step Brothers. Great. All right, let's talk about some of these memorable scenes. Yeah. So like I said, I mean, every single scene in this movie is amazing, so it's very difficult to actually pick, like, you know, certain things that kind of stand out. We talked briefly about the the opening scene, the stop motion stuff that uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Jack Frost feel when yeah. you see um, the North Pole. If I could, I would pick that entire opening scene <laughs> because it's it's amazing from the very beginning to like when he says bye to the Norwal. Yeah, bye, buddy, bye, buddy. Yeah, when that when that whole scene happens, like from there to there, I would pick the whole thing. But we're just I'm gonna yeah, just we already section. played the. The, the intro Bob Newhart in the beginning yeah, of this. Yeah. Uh, that was great. So good. <laughs> Can't even make Key a clock. <laughs> <laughs> this scene I want to go over, it's when Papa Elf is telling Buddy that people down south really don't believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. And Santa's sleigh needs that magical power in order to, you know, operate. So yeah. because people don't believe, he had to make the... I want to say the Nimbus 3000, but it's not that. It's a... Uh, it was Elfster 3000? No, no, no. It's, uh, we should run that. It's, you know, whatever. He makes the jet underneath the sleigh. So let's take a listen. I thought the magical reindeer made the sleigh fly. And where did the reindeer get their magic from? Christmas spirit. Everybody knows that. Well, silly as it sounds, a lot of people down south don't believe in Santa Claus. What? Who do they think puts all their toys under the tree? Well, there's a rumor floating around that uh, that the parents do it. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, parents couldn't do that all in one night. What about Santa's cookies? I suppose parents eat them too. Yeah, I know, I, I know. And every year, less and less people believe in Santa Claus. I mean, we have a real energy crisis on our hands. Oh. I mean, just see how low the plasmometer uh, is. Energy crisis on our hands. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a little political statement right there on top of on top of a great scene where they're poking fun of the whole Santa existing, yeah. you know, yeah. parents eating cookies. Yeah. And, you know, as long as my kids are not listening to this podcast, you know, I'm not a big sugar guy, but I'm the one that has to eat the, you know, take a couple of bites of the cookie every year and drink the milk, you know, so they can find it in the morning. And yeah, man. It's, I, it's not my favorite thing to do, as crazy as that sounds, because I don't like cookies like that. Just, and it's can, not cookies I love either. If it was like Oreos and chocolate chip, right. but it's like some sugar cookie decorated, like, you know, a tree that my, my kid made. Right. So it's not my, my thing. Do you guys do you guys put out uh, carrots for the reindeer? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And I have to, like, eliminate those too. You do know that you could take the cookie and just kind of, like, break off sections of it so it looks like somebody bit into it? You know what? That's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that this year instead of leaving teeth marks. But it's worked so You could far. also like handwrite a message from Santa. Yeah. Turns out Santa's diabetic now, so <laughs> we sugar, sugar-free you cookies that now. I, 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 or or how about leaving a Santa an old fashioned and you know a cigar? And <laughs> yeah, man, he's got autopilot now, so he doesn't have to worry too much. All right, so. Uh, once again, like like pretty much every single scene we're going to talk about that Buddy's like the main uh, focus in the scene. Yeah. It's all about his innocence. For me, I feel like his childlike innocence that he has in this movie is the charm of this movie. It's basically what gravitates so many people to this movie because he's sitting there going like, what? What do you mean? People don't believe in Santa Claus? That's crazy. It's the entire movie. That's basically how he just looks at life like a child because uh, uh, he's been stuck at the North Pole with a bunch of elves for so long, yeah. that's just all he knows. I'm glad you brought this up because from our perspective, obviously we see him as a child. But if you're looking at it from the other characters, do you think they see him as a child as well? Or just somebody who's either, one, um, mentally challenged, a frittata, no. or two, he's flat out a loon. <laughs> like, isn't that what the doctor, when he goes to John Favreau as the doctor, he's yeah. like, oh, he's, he's crazy pretty much. Do they see, I think some of the characters see him as an innocent child and then others see him as either he's kind of, uh, you know, mentally challenged or flat out crazy. Well, I think it's split. I think when, obviously when he's in the North Pole, yeah, that's, I think pure. They, they, that, yeah. that's pure. He's just young. Yeah. Like he just, you know, he doesn't know any better. When, when he's in New York. Is, when he's in New York, I think it's split between who's looking at him. So like his dad, he's got to be looking at him like he's a loon. Yeah. When Emily's looking at him, I think Emily might be looking at him like he might be a little mentally challenged. Being a New Yorker, I'll tell you right now, 
people would have seen him as just like another, you know, of the naked cowboy in New York, in like Times Square. You ever heard of them? No. Well, literally a naked cowboy. He's in like tidy whities you know, big guitar. And that's not literally naked if you're wearing something. Yeah, I know. But that's what his nickname is. He's naked cowboy, right? Okay. But in New York, you just walk by, you know, you see it and just like, oh, that's typical New York. So if Elf was a real thing, people would just look at him like, okay, he's just crazy or he's going to go work at Macy's. If everybody's looking at him that way, what is Jovi doing going on a date with him? What is that, she thinking? I am glad you brought that. I was going to bring that up. It's a little bit of... Uh, remember Big with Tom Hanks? Creepy. Like, exactly. It's, it's, a little it, There's cringe. a lot of creep, mo- creep moments in that movie. <laughs> yeah, like she's falling for a child. Like, we'll just leave it there. And then she, again, is either falling for um, somebody who's crazy or he, something's, something's off, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy is... There's a, it, it, it's yeah. not fun. It, you can't look at it that way. Yeah. If you're watching it, you just got to roll He's with the kid. punches. Yeah. You got to roll with the punches. All right, so let's let's move on to the next scene. So the next scene, Buddy meets his dad for the first time. I love this scene <laughs> so much in so many ways. Let's listen. You look like you came from the North Pole. That's <laughs> exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? So go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh... Yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> and um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. Wow. That's weird. Wow. I mean, yeah, what do you say to that? Yeah, (laughs) totally caught off guard. And what do you think of the the secretary? She's not the greatest secretary in the world. No, she's terrible. She's horrible. She's terrible. (laughs) She's just like an important guy who's stressed and he's he's working. She's just like ushering people in. The use of the intercom was all, like, she's not a good secretary yeah, there's, at all. I mean, there's a scene where James Conn's on the phone, and he's telling her, like, hey, I'm on a call right now. It's very yeah. important. And she doesn't care. They really need you in the mailroom. Yeah. They need you in the mailroom. No. So, yeah. But I love her presence. Yeah. But she's not a very good secretary. No. <laughs> Anyways, so that scene, it's so good because, once again, his innocence. Yeah. And this is how he decides to introduce himself to, like, his dad that never even knew he existed. And that just, get just up. show up to work. Yeah. wearing this and like <laughs> you didn't even know but I love you like I love you it's a great scene so uh, let's talk about this next scene so now we're at Gimbal's and uh, Buddy's finding out that Santa's gonna be visiting starting tomorrow and this is his reaction which yeah. I think is just amazing here we go time for the announcement okay people tomorrow morning 10am Santa's coming to town Santa oh my god Santa here I know him I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say this a lot, but so good. That is a really good, so good. good scene. Great. I'm glad they shout out to Big Worm from Friday in there. Yeah. Based on love. So <laughs> he was not supposed to be in this movie. It was supposed oh. to be Wanda Sykes. Oh, really? Yeah. And what so happened I, to Wanda? Um, the only thing I could find was she had to uh, bow out at the last minute. So he okay. kind of came in and filled in for her. Solid. Which is kind of interesting because there's one scene after the Santa fight where Buddy comes back to Gimbal's yeah. to kind of get Zoe on a date. And you see him dressed up as Santa. Yeah. So I'm wondering what they would have done if Wanda Sykes was still in the movie. Yeah. Would she have actually done that? Would she have been sitting up there? Santa? I doubt it. I don't think that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. So once again, great scene, innocence, the freak out when he yeah. finds out Santa's going to be there. I mean, the dude, I, I, mean, him. He I, li- I mean, in the movie, he just saw him two days ago. Yeah, like literally. Like, maybe that journey from the North Pole, I mean, it should have taken him like weeks. Yeah, but it seemed like Especially it was since like, he like floated on an iceberg and then just walked through the mountains and stuff like that. So it's a fantasy world. So we're going to just assume. Maybe they don't get a lot of FaceTime with Santa. You know, they are making a thousand 
etch a sketches a day. And each one of them. E- yeah, each elf. So maybe each the elves elf, yeah. don't get a chance to see Santa. They don't get a lot of FaceTime with the big boss. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's just that they all freak out there every time. Yeah. Who knows? Next scene. Next day. Santa's there. Yeah. And so this is Buddy's reaction when he sees, let's just call him the mall Santa. The mall Santa. Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. If you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, Happy birthday, of course. (laughs) So, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. He's an imposter! Okay, okay, okay. Smell like beef and cheese. Beef and cheese. I mean, that whole part's got to be improv. Oh, of course. And they wanted to keep it PG, too. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> the amount of things he could have said you if said, it was rated R. You said on a throne of lies. Yeah. Imposter. So, classic. So, as you get older, there's some point where you're just kind of like, yeah, is, there, is he real? Is he not real? I'm so glad you brought that up. So, you go to the mall, yeah. and you're kind of like... It can't be him. Like, it can't be the mall. And at some point, I don't remember if it's my mom or my dad, or maybe I just thought this, but they're kind of like, that's not really Santa. Yep. That's that's an employee of Santa, because yeah. Santa can't be everywhere right now. Yep. So you have to treat him like he's Santa, but he reports to Santa. Yeah. So my child hit that last year. She's like, I was like, we're going to go see Santa, right? Take a picture the whole nine. And she's right. like... Yeah, but not the real Santa, right? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, some of the Santas, they're not, they're, they're not, they're, 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 they're just people in costumes. And right. I'm like, they're like, he's, she's like, it's not the real Santa. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. They, you know, they're just there for, for little kids and stuff like that. So right. the, the mystique is starting to fade. So I might have another year or two with that one on the Santa tip. So let me tell you this really fast. Richie, who's my oldest. Yeah. Um, he's 12 right now. But so I took him to go see Santa. We tried to put him on his lap. And this kid freaked out. He's crying hysterically. Just his face is super red. He's pointing at the camera. <laughs> he's yelling, no, get me out of there. Okay? Oh, my goodness. So the following year, it's around summertime, I'm recording Billy Gibbons. And so if you know who Billy Gibbons is, Billy Gibbons is like the lead singer, guitar player of ZZ Top. And so yeah. he's got this huge beard. And so he's kind of he kind of looks like a Santa Claus. Yeah. So anyway, so he's here at the studio. We bring uh, my father-in-law, huge ZZ Top fan. He brings some records for them to sign and stuff. Nice. And then uh, he brings my son. And so Billy Gibbons, like, he loves kids. And he's like, oh, hey, who's this guy? And he goes and picks him up. My kid loses his shit. <laughs> to the point to the point where I have another picture. And I'll, I can show this to you. I have yeah. another picture, uh, a guy with a white beard holding my kid, pointing at the camera, losing his mind. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, he's not pointing the camera. He's looking right at him. And he's crying hysterically while Billy Gibbons is just laughing. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's my Santa Christmas moment for Richie. I'm trying to remember uh, with my daughter, crap, when's the last time they even went and saw Santa? Because then with the pandemic and everything like that, we didn't even attempt to do it. And even before then, we really weren't trying to get, like, wait in those lines to go see him. We would do, like, the Magic Mountain thing. Yeah. But now, uh, my youngest one now is three. Um, we have to have, we, I think we should probably have that conversation about him going to see Santa. Yeah. Because he knows who Santa is now. We're doing the shelf, uh, the, the elf on the shelf thing. So, do you think he's going to handle it well? Because a lot of kids don't handle that first Santa well. I don't think he's going to. None of mine. Actually, did. no, he's a, he's kind of a different breed. He He's three years old and he plays with lightsabers and dresses up as Darth Vader. He might be able to handle it. So, all right. So, next scene, it's a short one we're going to listen to. So, Buddy uh, woke up early. He made a rocking, rocking horse out of a, the entertainment center, and they yeah. decided to make breakfast for everybody, which is spaghetti with syrup. His dad comes out, gets really super excited, and decides to tell dad what he's thinking about the day. Plan- planning the day. Planning the day. Here we go. So, dad, I plan out our whole day. First, we'll make snow angels for two hours, and then we'll go ice skating, and then we'll eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then, to finish, we'll snuggle. So, it. this is a 
the child again. Yeah, it's, it's the child again. A little, little off topic, though. This scene reminds me of uh, Shrek. Yeah. So remember uh, when Donkey comes home to Shrek's place for the first time? Yeah, yeah. He's super excited, says we're going to do all these things, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Waffles. Yeah, that does remind me. It, it just makes me feel about, uh, good parallel. It just reminded me about that scene. Good pull. Um, yeah, once again, Innocence, super excited to hang out with Dad, even though, I mean, at this point, you would think from his brief interactions with his dad, you know, his dad basically getting him thrown out of the building, his dad ignoring him when he sees him in, like, the the display area at Gimbel's, yeah. bailing him out of jail, the way he talks to him, takes him to the doctor, like, at some point, you would think a normal person would realize, my dad's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Nope, not feeling that way at all yet, yeah, still super excited to hang out with Dad, trying to make him breakfast. Planning the day out. Buddy and, is the ultimate optimist. Endless enthusiasm. Yes. And yeah. and and just a pure... Uh, he's a child on a great day. Uh, every day is a great day for him. As I'm going to tell you right now, if my kids acted like Buddy... <laughs> all right, so I think our next scene is uh, Buddy gets drunk for the first time. With a 26-year-old male employee who yeah, looks this 50. Dude, no, man. If that guy... <laughs> I'm in my 40s, man. That guy looks older than me, so... Let's, <laughs> I mean, at least I, I think he does. Uh, let's set the scene really fast. So Buddy's dad, Walter, uh, he needs to get rid of Buddy. So he sets Buddy up with yeah. a job. And he's like, oh, you ever seen the mailroom? <laughs> so he sets him up with a job at the mailroom just to get rid of him because he's kind of sitting in the corner bugging the crap out of him. Yeah. So Buddy's infatuated with the place. He makes, he makes a friend and uh, the friend pulls out something that he thinks is syrup. So he decides to pour all the syrup in his... In his cup of coffee, and then yeah. this is what happens next. Here we go. I love syrup. Oh, I love it. You know, I know I sound like a broken record, but we are buddies. You're my best friend. That's it. You're my best friend. You know, buddy, You're nobody my best friend. around here listens to me. I yeah. got really good ideas. I believe it. I know. I'm right. I listen to you. You have great ideas. I, I just try to go to the flow, you good. know? Go with the flow. Yeah. Go with the flow. No, I got to get out of the flow. Well, then get out I'm of the flow. I'm in the flow. That's what got me here. Oh. I gotta, I'm 26 years old. I got nothing to show for. You're young. You're so young. <sighs> my papa, yeah. he didn't make Master Tinker until he was 490. Tickle fight. Tickle fight. Innocence. Yeah, that was a great scene, though. That's it. You're my new best friend. <laughs> the only thing I have with that 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 scene, though, is if I, I think 20 years later, that would have been weed. I mean, yeah. like they have reggae music in the background. Yep. They're laying out on like the mail carts, yep. right? And they're talking deep. You know, profound. Like uh, I got, I got ideas. No one's listening yeah, to me. Yeah, Got to go. What was it? Go with the flow, or yeah, or no? I got to get out of the flow. You got to get out of the flow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that. Those deep conversations don't happen when you're drunk. Right. They happen more when you're high. You right. know, those ex- existential conversations. Are, you know, let's say it's 20 years later. Is this movie still PG? Uh, oh, that's a good question. And would they have put weed in there, right, instead of alcohol? Yeah. Like, you know. Well, they if you want to get around it, uh, keep the PG, do what they do in the 70s show. Yeah. You just see the smoke and they're just getting deep and stuff like that. And just like and talking giggling to each other. And, Yeah, and giggling. And, yeah. Yeah. But it's still, it's still a great scene. And they, they created you know, the more, it as if it was weed. But The more I think about it, though, having the elf smoke weed, then, you're, then now you're going back to like where people might have thought the movie would have went. Yeah. With being a stoner in the beginning. Yeah. They're not doing weed. Yeah. But they made the ambiance as if it was weed. Yeah, I'll give you that. It was alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's talk about the next scene. James Conn's character, Walter, he just got his, you know, he just got his ass chewed out by his boss. Yeah. He's just not, he's not doing his job really well. So he's got to bring in his two writers. He's, or or James Conn's got to come up with a new book idea before Christmas Eve. Yeah. And so he brings in his two, his two best writers on his team, which is um, Andy Richter's character, Morris, and then um, his buddy. Kyle Gass. Kyle Gass's character. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name. Eugene, I Eugene. believe. Eugene. Yes. So they, they, sit in the, they sit in the room with this guy in the office, and they're super excited about their idea. Yeah. And they can't contain themselves. And they're finally <laughs> like, there's our idea. We call it Miles Finch. Yeah. Their idea is to call a different writer to come in and pitch a different idea that they can't come up with. Yeah, and pay them a boatload of money, too. It's actually not as much as I thought it was going to be. 
$5,000 and a limo ride and a degree, and it has to be set to 71 degrees inside the limo. Yeah, just for because his consulting work. Right, right. But th- <laughs> they're super excited about it. And so they call this guy up. They're on the speakerphone with them, and they can't contain themselves. Yeah. They're like, they're like, oh, I just loved it. I love this book right here. It's, they're, they they acting like he's like like just wrote like a Tom Clancy novel. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a freaking children's book. It's a children's book. book. <laughs> and so he shows up. This is what happens next. Uh, we were thinking uh, something like this. Uh, we open on a young tomato. He's had some tough times down at the farm. You know, rabbits. No. And- no tomatoes. Too vulnerable. Kids, they're already vulnerable. You, know, you see, I, I, I told you guys. So I told them the very same and no thing. farms. Everybody's pushing small town rural. Farm book would just be white noise. Well, what about this? Uh, a tribe of asparagus children. But they're self-conscious about the way their pee smells. <laughs> what? I don't know, man. I would, I'm telling you right now, I would read that book to my kid for sure. <laughs> I just love that Miles Finch character. There are some movies you watch. There's these random characters yeah. that just like steal scenes, and you're like, "Man, could this character hold up in an old movie?" <laughs> like, it's just... I would watch. You know, I would watch a Miles Finch movie <laughs> that for would sure. Be so good. Did you see how he like in that scene? He counts the money. Even it's just like he's almost like he's a shady ringer. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, he comes in and he's just so, like, let's, give let's, him an uh, let's, get the, let's get the money thing out of the way first. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Such a great character. Everything he does is yeah. good, is great. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I saw him acting was actually on that show Nip Tuck. You ever, you ever watch that show? That, I did. I did watch that show. And, you know, I watched the entire show. And I can't yeah. remember seeing him being him on, on there. That. Yeah. Yeah. He was on there. And I believe, if I remember correctly, he had a thing with the doctor's wife um the the the, yes the doctor who is in um you know lois and clark now what what's what's that actor's name is she really in lois is that the same lady huh is that the same lady no the guy the doctor oh yeah he plays the general yeah he plays i thought even the wife was in it i was like what she's in that i haven't seen her in a lot of things i haven't seen we're butchering these people not giving them their actual names but Anyways, great scene. All right, let's talk about the next scene. So this is my favorite scene in the entire movie. You get Peter Dinklage playing off of Will Ferrell. We've said instant classic at the beginning of this podcast. And the fact that we didn't think instant classic just because of this one scene is kind of tragic. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Dinklage's character, they, they treat him like he's a god. He acts like he's a god. Like he's the god of... Children's, children's book. books. He's a children's book ringer. Right. You, they're brought him in to save this pitch for the next great children's book. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know that existed. I guess there's a ringer for everything, right? Let's just play it. I didn't know you had elves working here. Boy, you're you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't. Uh, get get back to the story, please. <clears throat> So, on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here? Buddy, go back to the base. Hey, Jackweed, I get more action in a week than you've had your entire life. I've got houses in L.A., Paris, and Vail. Oh. Each one of them with a 70-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf. One more time. He's an angry elf. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, he has has no idea he's putting him down. Those are some good burns, though. Did you borrow a reindeer to come back? Those are really I mean, he's still a child. He doesn't know the little people that are in the world. He's just everybody. He's short. He's short. You're an elf. Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know there's regular short people in the real world. You know? What's crazy is the dad already knows. You know, Walter knows how how Buddy is. So, but when Buddy comes in and says the first line, I mean, I'm thinking any normal person would have stood right up and escorted Buddy out. Yeah, he let said, it no, play no, no, out. dude, this is my job right now. Like, I got so many things on the line, and the way you've been, the way you've acted since I've met you, yeah. this is not going to be good. So, I got to, I got to stand up, escort you out of the building. Got to call up my secretary who would just drop the ball anyways. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's funny how so random that he went with the seventy inch plasmas in two thousand. No, what's random is he's so shady about his money in the very beginning. Yeah, but yeah, he's got like how many houses? He has three houses: Paris, <laughs> Vail, and New York. Is it uh, or no? L A. No, L A. L A. Like, dude, <laughs> such a great character. Uh, I'm telling you that that whoever wrote that character up, A plus plus. Yeah, A++. absolutely. The rest of the movie, I mean, like I said, we could have grabbed so many scenes. The whole movie's memorable. Yeah. Um, let's take a break and let's do some uh, randomish takes and stuff. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. All right. What's your most randomish moment? Like mine is not really a, a scene. It's more of a. I, I love. I'm, I'm from New York and I'm a huge Jet fan. Mm-hmm. And I like how John Favreau, who also is a Jet fan, had Michael Buddy's brother. Wearing jet gear, and he was, you know, throughout the movie, he he had he had a Wayne Corbett jersey. Uh, he had like jet hats and scarves and all that kind of good stuff. So, so it's it, that weird that there's a Jets fan yeah, be, in living in New York. Yeah, a New be, York Jets fan in New York. No, because typically, you know, especially Manhattan, it's giant territory, right? New York Giants are the by far the popular team. Okay, the Jets are like the little brother. They're like the Clippers, Clippers to the Lakers. Okay. Okay. The Angels to the Dodgers. Angels to Got the it. Dodgers. The Jets are more Queens and parts of Jersey. Sure. Whereas the rest of New York City is is giant fans. But Jean Favreau is from Queens, Queens and Long Island. That's where you get the nice pockets of Jet fans. But in Manhattan, which the movie is based, it's right. more it's pretty much giant country. So I, I appreciated that and it was very random that he put that in there. You know. Okay. Not um, so random, but for me, I appreciated that. I actually got two randomish. Yeah, I, I just thought of a second one right now. I find that it's randomish that your friend is a uh, pediatrician who can uh, do DNA samples or can do <laughs> DNA testing in his office for in mere minutes, extremely quickly, <laughs> just to let him know that Buddy's your son. Yeah, just that's just a random. I guess he just had to solve that that problem really fast for like getting a. Getting Walter to believe that Buddy's his kid. Yeah. So what's the best way to do it? Your doctor friend, who's a pediatrician, just does <laughs> DNA testing on the side. Yeah. <laughs> in lightning speeds in 2003. Lightning speed, 2003. <laughs> uh, my other randomish uh, is the Central Park Rangers. Yeah. So that kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, You know, yeah, yeah. Santa Crash lands in uh, Central Park. And, and, he's, and apparently he's got beef with the Central <laughs> Park Rangers. And they were pretty intimidating. Yeah. I mean, they look like the Nazgul from freaking uh, Lord of the Rings. These guys are high yeah. on the horses, yeah. and they're, like, pretty intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a good villain that they created real quick right. for the end of the movie. Right. Yeah, it's very random. All right, uh, let's do hot takes. What do you got? My hot take is Buddy at the pace he was going, would be dead within three years. How? All the sugar? Dude, his, his, he would have amputations. Oh, yeah. Because remember, okay, if he was an elf, he could handle that sugar. But dude, he's a regular human being. Yeah. That level of sugar, we're talking about amputations. Yep. You know, I mean, he, he didn't even, have, <laughs> he didn't have, he didn't even take insulin. I mean, like, dude, how so are you let- taking this much sugar and not like, passing out all right let's take this pretty far all right so let's just say that like when you're in the north pole there's like a magical sphere that surrounds you so that way you can just eat whatever you want you know you've got you've got um uh snowmen walking around there's birds that talk you got a norwal (laughs) like you got all these things so let's just let's just say that you can keep your sugar count your sugar level down yeah in the north pole but when you leave the north pole and you're in new york that's gotta hit that's gotta hit him like that that has to hit him like a freight train oh my god at some point He's got to come down on the sugar rush, and he's just got to feel like shit. And I would think that that would be like with the second day you're there, because he's eating spaghetti with a bunch of maple syrup on it. He's putting maple syrup in his drinks. He's yeah. sitting there just eating like uh, candy off of railings throughout New York oh, City. That was disgusting. Very disgusting. And and don't it, forget, he doesn't sleep. Remember? 40 minutes. A yeah. Night. He was fair. And he was like, yeah. I got a solid 40, 45 minutes yeah. in. He, at the pace he's going, he's not lasting long. So this might answer why there's no sequel. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go, we're going to go to the sequel thing in a second. But uh, no, that's, that's a pretty good hot take. Yeah, raw cookie dough as fast as you can. Right. Like, dude, I do not recommend anybody doing that. Uh, my hot take is, um, I guess, 
how was Buddy never institutionalized in the entire movie? <laughs> Somebody would have like had him like checked out by a therapist, I would think. Some kind nah, of head it's doctor. It's New York, bro. I told Somebody you about Kyle, the naked cowboy. I mean, I've seen some weird stuff really? in the city, in the subway. And you know what? You just keep moving. It's it's it is what it is, man. It is what it is. He would. He, it's the perfect. If he was in like Iowa, maybe someone would be like, "Son, something's wrong with you." But in New York, it's par par for the course. You know, he's just another. Like I said, it's either he's an he's totally nuts, or he's working at Macy's. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The, I, the, trust me, he would not. No one would bat an eye, especially this time. Especially the movie is based around Christmas time, so. No, no, no issue. Okay, but I'm talking about like uh, Walter's dad. Yeah. Like the people that like he was basically, or I would say just either Walter, like his dad, Walter, or um, or Emily. One of those two must have thought we got to get him checked out headwise. I mean, he's. I mean, like how how do you think his character is in this movie? Thirty five, forty years old. Yeah, close to that. Yeah. Yeah. To be acting that way, there's no way they're believing that he's actually from the North Pole. I mean, it's obviously yeah. that's you know they don't believe that. So. The way that he acts, he acts like a child. He acts like someone whose mind hasn't developed properly. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point, someone, I would think within days, they would, like that would have been, if I'm Walter and I find out that I've got a 40-year-old son, 35-year-old, 30, however old he is, yeah. and he's he's dressing up as an elf the entire time, acting the way he acts, yeah. and I've already got the DNA that basically says, I just, did, I just tested my blood, <laughs> and he told me that this is my kid. Oh hell no! <laughs> Sorry, I'm going. I'm going now to a psych ward and getting him a value. So if I'm going to take it that far just to get the, the blood test to make sure that yeah. he's my kid, the next move is to make sure that he's mentally stable to take him home to my wife and my other kid. Which, by the way, Emily, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but Emily really yeah. took her husband having another kid really well because I don't think that would have happened in my household. No, that 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 wouldn't play in my either. If I told Melissa that I had another kid before we got together, <laughs> that would not be going really well. Yeah, but that brings back to my my Of course, question. we were 20 when we got together, so that'd be even weirder. Yeah, that would be weirder. Yeah, it it's definitely brings me back to my question on how the other characters in the movie are perceiving him. Do they see him as a child? Do they see him as a, as a, a loony bin, you know, a nut job? Or maybe they see him as a frittata? You know, I mean, I don't know. Hurtada. Not mine. That's from the league. Awesome show. All right. So check this out. Let's uh, let's move on to canceled sequel. So Will Ferrell comes out at some point and says that he turned down $29 million to do a sequel. Oh, wow. And that's how much he didn't want to do the sequel, that he turned down $30 million, basically, to not Interesting. do it. And uh, he says he just didn't think it would capture the same um, same spirit. Yeah. Because what kind of story are you going to tell i i, I kind of agree I, I coming out of the that would have probably ended up being like people when you say it's a hollywood money grab because the the arc has already been told right like there's no more nuance to it anymore that you know it, 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 a, a human child is raised as an elf there's what can you possibly do in the sequel well so this is what i think so we're talking about uh the sugar <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Will Ferrell was kind of like, there's no way there could be a sequel because Buddy would be dead. Buddy would be dead, bro. And yeah, there's there's no way. Buddy would be... Buddy, the it, movie starts off with Buddy just laying in a bed. He's got no legs. Yeah. He's one, one arm. He's yeah. being spoon-fed. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about how he should have saved Christmas, but first he should have went yeah. on a diet. <laughs> now, if you wanted to play, do a sequel where it's his kid, you know, trying to learn how to be an elf, you know, but that that's stretching it. I don't nah. see a sequel in there. I think it's a smart move not to do a sequel. Yeah, not I mean, everything needs a sequel. No, and but also it would be so difficult to see where this character would go because now he's got the girl, is he's got the family. Yeah. Um you would have to you would have to take him you would have to put him in a totally different um setting. Yeah. And somehow put something I mean, it's already the the idea of this movie is already ridiculous to yeah. begin with. Yeah. You'd have to like try to redo that, but then also take him out of his comfort zone that he just established in this movie. He's got a wife now. He's got a kid. Um, he still visits the North Pole, visits, the, you know, visits Santa, but then he has um, Walter and his family and his brother. It seems like it's the perfect tie up, tie a bow yeah. on it, put a ribbon on it, call it a day. 
you'd have to tear that all apart or just like all of a sudden maroon him somewhere and give him amnesia or who, who knows? Listen, I'm all for when Hollywood actually ends things. I don't think, you know, shows should go on in infinite. You know, sometimes three seasons yeah. of a show is enough if it if it ties everything up. Yeah. You know, like you ever so you ever watch that show Prison Break? I did. Okay. <laughs> After season two and three, they oh. should have ended that. Season three, I think, it was over. Then they it ended no. up going like five or yeah. six, and it just was it just got crazier and crazier. And it they weren't even in prison anymore. They were, it's like it's like the show could have ended, but Hollywood, you know, they sometimes they just want to milk the it first out. First season. Yeah. All right, we're gonna ruin that show for other people too. The yeah, people sorry. should still watch it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Um, show. but it's okay for the movies to end and not have a sequel and stay as a one-off. All right, let's uh, let's talk about music really fast. Uh, the score, John uh, Debney, he's the one who composed the, uh, the music for this movie, and he did a phenomenal job. Um, I, I, I the motifs that he picked for this uh, movie yeah. really captured, you know, the feeling of uh, a classical Christmas, but then also it somehow it felt like it was not dated, but it felt like it had already been around for a while. Like it already, yeah. it felt like established and. I don't think I'm saying it right, but it just felt like it just belonged. It made it made the movie feel that it was a Christmas movie, but with taste. I don't know if yeah. that's the right way to say it. Oh, of course. When when you're defining a Christmas movie, I know we talked about this in our our Die Hard uh, episode about it being a Christmas movie, and yeah. and just like in Die Hard, and just like in Elf, they peppered in the right music in the right places, and it carried over that Christmas vibe. Right. And this movie does that extremely well. The only thing that's been a little bit of controversy is Zoe Deschanel's singing in the shower. That uh, um, cold outside song has come under fire, you know, in recent ye- years because of some of the lyrics. But that was not when it was originally written. That wasn't its, its intent. Right. You know, but times have changed. And, you know, of all the songs, great Christmas songs, uh, I was... It was very surprised to see that was the song they chose, but it made sense because Buddy comes in and they kind of do that duet thing, and it's a good duet holiday themed kind of song. I got to pay attention to the lyrics of that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know that was a. Th- I didn't know that was an issue. Yeah, there's some. There's a line with the the her drink, right? And you know, there's a lot of nose, nose, yes. It's. Uh, I mean, if you listen to it, you could say, "Oh no, that's like innocent '50s, '60s kind of thing," but. The the line of spe- specifically with the alcohol is more about the alcohol rather than him putting something in the drink. Okay. It is what it is. Okay. I got to listen to it. Yeah, definitely should. My problem with uh, songs is I learn the melody and the chords and everything first before I actually learn the lyrics. You look at the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's my problem. All right. Uh, let's do two rankings here. So ranking one, where would you rank this movie in Will Ferrell's Ooh, plethora of- uh, That's a good one. Yeah. I know we, we mentioned it before, like- me, my preference, and I recently watched Anchorman over the over the summer, and um, but my two favorites, as stupid as it sounds, is Talladega Nights and Step Brothers. I don't know why I can watch those at any time, and I just find them just stupid and hilarious. All right, so that's near number one and number two. Yeah, where would you put like? If I is this, is this a top five Will Ferrell movie? It, it, you know, not that we're doing a top five. Uh, episode here, but I would probably say yes. Yeah. It is definitely a top five. Okay. Um, it, it, not any cameo appearances, it, just as his one of his quote unquote movies, definitely yeah. top five. Yeah. Actually, if you add in the little cameo things like the Wedding Crasher and, and things like that, it probably still is in the top five, definitely top 10, obviously. Okay. You know, because he, he has some really great you know, one-off characters like right. Zoolander and and old school, obviously. Yeah. So I guess we can just say, like, for him being like the number one, yeah, lead on the the lead, yeah, yeah. This is probably my th- number three for me, yeah. Um, and that's above Anchorman because I I don't know why this is going to be controversial. When I watched Anchorman this summer, I kind of was like, oh, why did I find this like? phenomenally funny before i maybe i was in a bad mood i didn't find it as humorous as i did in well, the past because now you're in a glass case of emotion <laughs> <laughs> i would okay so i would say this has got to be in the top five of will ferrell movies yeah um it's just it it's hard to put into words why 
it is because you'd have to go through all the other movies and say why they're not. Yeah. Um, but I believe it's probably my top five just because the next uh, list that we're going to say is like, you know, where would you rank this as a Christmas movie? And this has got to be in my top five in Christmas movies also. So wow. if I'm going to rank it that high in Christmas movies, then I would have to rank it that high in his movies. And now I got to think about, okay, what movies would be in my top five? I mean, I could tell you what movies would be in my top 10, yeah. but then to, to say what my top five are, to then put this in my five. So now I'm looking for four more movies. It, I mean, it's hard. I feel like I don't want to, like, I, I wouldn't want to, I might change my tune just because we're going to, we're doing Christmas movies right now. We're doing 10 Christmas movies. And so after going through those 10 movies, do I feel the same way after this? Because, I mean, even when we talked about, when we did Batman, there's so many things in Batman that I didn't notice the many times I watched it before we actually, I did my research. Yeah, for sure. And sat there and watched the movie and took notes and everything like that. So the same thing with this movie, where there's so many other things that, that I didn't notice. Like, I mean, I noticed it, but I didn't realize how special it was. And yeah. then I, but I also didn't notice how well this movie was put together from the beginning to the end, as far as like no filler scenes. Every scene had a, had a purpose. Yeah. Every scene had character. Every scene, every, every scene had charm. And I mean, I might feel that way when we jump into the other movies. I, it might turn me away. I mean, Christmas Vacation is one, is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time also. Yeah. But when, I do, when we do our deep dive in that, is it just going to cement that feeling for me? Or am I going to feel differently? I'm waiting, to I'm waiting to watch that movie where I do these notes and go, maybe I have that uh, Anchorman moment where this doesn't really hold up. Yeah. And I mean, that's why we're doing this that's show, why right? We're doing this that's why we're doing this. Right? And, and, and to think this is not rated R, to have such great humor, yeah. it shows that you can still do great adult humor so th that's that, not rated R. That's a good point right there. So this has to be in the top five just because it's not rated R. Yes. It's not PG-13. It's something that you can share with your kids yeah, it's PG. immediately. Yeah. You can share with your kids immediately. You can have this moment with your kids immediately. It's your Star Wars yes. for Christmas. Yeah. Comedy, Christmas comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's gold, Jerry. Gold. Gold. All right. Let's do awards really fast. Um, I'm going to take Buddy off being, um, getting an award for anything because yeah. it's, this is his movie. Obviously, he is above everybody else in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's your wingman in this movie? Ooh. Obviously. Oh, that's a good one. I, I want to say Michael, the little brother. I mean, he's he's the, he's. I mean, he's the only person who actually is a wingman, because he helps him kind of grow up, helps him get Let, the girl. Let's rephrase it. Let's rephrase yeah. it. Let's just say, who's your best man? So basically, the groom doesn't show up. Who takes over? As the best character? Yeah. Oh, I'm going Miles Fitch. Miles Fitch dude, for sure, dude. It's not even close. That's your best man. That is right. that the that what is he on screen for like five minutes, ten yeah. minutes? Yeah. But it's gold. It's like. It's flawless. Oh, we're doing that. That's what we're doing from now on. Who's your best man? Yeah, I like that. So who's going to take? So then, if it's a female lead, yeah. who's your maid of honor? Yeah. If it's because like they, they just like got to step in. Okay. <laughs> like, I got the show's got to go on, right? Yeah. Jerry didn't show up. I got to show up. That is, he does such a good job. As, yeah. It's just just the concept of that character again. Not to oh, be the dead I would. I would watch. I would watch if they did this. Okay, you want to do a sequel to Elf? Yeah. To Miles Finch, <laughs> make his heart. Yeah, because yeah, you can you can do it. Uh, what's uh Van Wilder? So wow, Van, you brought it all the way back to Van Wilder. Well, well, because they did a sequel to Van Wilder, but it's not. He's not even in the movie. No, he's it's not. It's the Rise of Raj. Rise, Raj so, was yeah, the side you could, character. You could do Elf Two, the Dude. Rise of Miles Finch. Yeah, and he writes the ultimate Christmas story or whatever. Yeah, he that saves changes his he heart. He saves Christmas because of the book that he that he yeah. writes, kind of like Bill and Ted. <laughs> save the universe because of the song that they, that they actually don't write. Yeah. So, final thoughts. Final does, thoughts. Does it still hold up? For sure. Actually, this one is unique in that I don't think it was as popular when it came out as it is now. So, it's beyond holds up. I agree with it that. It is aging like a fine wine. Yep. It gets better every year. Yep. I mean, it's like watching you're, it's like it you're now. you my notes. Yep. <laughs> watching it now, it's like even better. Some yep. movies that just happens, you know, it's it's kind of like Reservoir Dogs. At the time, it probably wasn't as big, but when you every time you watch it, like, this is so good. I, I, I'll, I'll struggle to rank this as, you know, in my top Christmas movies because... 
it's going to piss off a lot of classic movies if I really sit down and, and write that list. I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie. I, no. can, I know people that don't like Die Hard. I know people that don't like Batman. I know people that don't like Christmas Vacation. I know people that don't like, especially Scrooge. A Christmas Carol, um, Christmas Story. Yeah. Um, Charlie Scrooge. Brown. Yeah. I don't know anybody that doesn't like Elf. Yeah. And if they didn't like Elf, I would need to know those reasons immediately because this movie is just jam-packed with charm. It rides the line perfectly for young kids and adults. Yeah. Like kind of like, kind of like The Simpsons or, you know, a Pixar movie where a Pixar movie's got a bunch of stuff in there that adults only get, but, you know, a kid can still watch it. And this is just like that. Yeah. We're going to be doing Nightmare Before Christmas and that has that ability too where you can watch it with your kid. It's going to become a family thing and it's going to carry on to to the next generation. Yeah. Two of my kids are obsessed with that movie. Yeah. And I've, I've I've had to watch it way more times than. <laughs> yeah, that's it's on when in the you background. I don't even movie. realize it's on now. Yeah, that's when you know a movie holds up yeah. when it, it captures the next generation and and the next and the next. Yeah, it becomes just a classic. You know, we're talking <laughs> as crazy as sound. This, I can see Elf going down. Uh, you know, generations down, like White Christmas does, and and um, it's a wonderful life. Those really heartwarming classic Christmas movies that you know go decades long but this will just be for comedy I love it alright well um, thanks for listening Merry Christmas Merry Christmas and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to this episode of Still Holds Up a Rot Your Brain podcast subscribe to the Still Holds Up podcast feed at rotyourbrainmedia.com slash still holds up Follow us on Twitter at rot underscore your brain and support Rot Your Brain Media and its podcast by being a part of this exciting new and growing community. Visit patreon.com slash rot your brain media.